This is Cass Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling. On Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. On Cass Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends. Each week, we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life. It's Cass Club Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel. Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another episode of Cast Club Radio. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Lydia Cruz. And I'm Justin Stiefel. And I'm Maura Dooley. And it was an eventful week last week. We had the start of baseball opening day. We had Easter weekend, which coincided with April Fool's. A lot going on. How'd you guys fare? Was it busy in your households? It was a little busy. <laughs> and uh, as Jennifer will tell you, we prepared ahead of time for uh, kind of the Easter basket stuff. And yeah. we had hidden it in the garage prior to Easter. And then we could not find it. <laughs> Yeah. The so, Easter Bunny was too good. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, the kids were a little disappointed. We we had some of the makeshift stuff, but we didn't do what we were planning to do. And I think it was those damn leprechauns from uh, <gasps> That's from it. Yeah. They were still hanging out. That's well, right. Well, some big, huge news for Heritage Distilling. Justin, what's going on? Well, last week we won for our BSB Brown Sugar Bourbon. We won World's Best flavored whiskey at the World Whiskey wow. Tasting in London. That's amazing. And this is uh, put on by the folks at Whiskey Magazine, which is a huge trade magazine that's global, focused on whiskey. And uh, this is not one of those awards where they may have a 100 winners in a category. They have nine categories, mm -hmm. and they have one winner around the globe for each category, and that's it. Wow. And uh, BSB beat out all of the competition of all the flavored whiskeys that were presented, including flavored whiskeys presented by some of the biggest brands on the planet, like some of Jim Beam and Jack Daniels and uh, other type products that are submitted. So uh, we're very proud of that. We're mm -hmm. humbled, we're honored, and uh, we happen to agree with the judges. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that BSB is good, and we're thrilled to keep making it. But it's always nice to get confirmation from especially such a high caliber publication. How many different whiskeys are sampled or how many different whiskeys do you think go into the to the judging process? Well, just knowing how big the publication is and the respect that it has in the industry, I would not be surprised if there were not hundreds of submissions wow. per category and well over a thousand submissions in total among all the different types of whiskeys and categories that come from around the world. It's, this is a big deal. This is, this is the pinnacle of awards you can win on the planet. Congratulations. Yes, congratulations. Did you guys get to go out there to London or did you, how did you hear about it? Well, when you open a distillery or a brewery or a winery, you begin to get solicitations from different people who sponsor uh, their tasting competitions and judging panels. And so this has been one that's been on our radar for a while and we finally submitted this year and uh, we were just, we were shocked and uh, thrilled that we won just knowing the level of uh, competition that's out there. And we did not go because we've been busy actually making BSB. Yes. Time to go out to attend the award ceremony. Well, congratulations. That's a good way to start off the new year. It was great because we got the notice two days before baseball season opened. And wow. of course, you know, our whole thing is you can't spell baseball without BSB. And we had opening day <laughs> at Safeco Field and uh, opening the BSB Lounge and all sorts of things going into the, the baseball season. So this gave us a lot of really unanticipated extra momentum going into opening day. 
That's pretty darn cool. Well, speaking of industry news and what's going on, what are the headlines this week? Well, interesting article we found talks about online sales for beer, wine, and spirits grew 32% last year. Uh, 2017 and when I talk about online sales we're talking about delivery so you go online and you pay for your product and it gets delivered to your house uh, not a traditional kind of wine club shipment and the article talks about how Drizzly is leading the charge they're in multiple states they're in 70 markets around the US mm -hmm. they work with the local retailers so you go online you find your beer wine or, or spirit that you want to have delivered uh, they find the local closest retailer, you pay the retailer, the retailer uh, collects the money, pulls it from their inventory, the Drizzly driver picks up the oh. product and then delivers to your house or apartment or condo or business and uh, completes the transaction. And uh, even though the market is still relatively small, it is the fastest growing segment of the alcohol beverage market. And it's because millennials are driving that, they want stuff uh, quicker, they don't want to wait. And this feeds into the discussion we're going to have later in the show. The largest users of these alcohol delivery apps are women. Almost 60% of the purchases through these delivery apps are made by women. And uh, I just think that this is where the uh, future of growth is in our industry. Wow, th that's really impressive. I actually haven't tried it yet. Have you, Lydia? I haven't. I I am old fashioned, I guess. So yeah. old fashioned, like I drive I to the store. To <laughs> well, Amazon Prime in certain markets offers the same service. They have an actual retail liquor license and uh, store shelves inside their units, and you can have alcohol delivered to you in certain markets in two hours or less. Wow, are there Amazon Prime now? Is that I know we've talked about the legal side of things here in Washington. Is that, are there any limitations in Washington state? Yeah, there are limitations, there are limitations in all the states. And each of the states requires the transactions to be uh, rang through in a specific way through a specific licensee. Uh, so it's a, it's a mishmash mm -hmm. of laws and rules, but those barriers will continue to evolve as the consumer demands more access in a more convenient way. Impressive. What else is going on in the news? Well, just in time for summer, <laughs> our friends at Heineken have unveiled the Cooler Pack. And uh, this is a very cool creation. You know, sometimes you look at, at something and you say, wow, why has nobody else thought of that? And uh, so Heineken has unveiled the Cooler Pack. It's an 18-pack of bottled beer in a uh, rectangular-type cardboard box. You get it, you tear the top off and you fill the thing with ice and you basically have your own cooler and at the end of the day because it's cardboard you can crush it recycle it and uh, they won product of the year for this as an uh, innovative product category simply by rethinking how to use the traditional cardboard box uh, or case that you have your beer uh, sold in at the retail store you know our last story we're talking about innovation and how do you do things simpler more efficiently faster this is another great example of sort of the market responding just like the last story sort of a way to, to make okay. things simpler more efficient now you don't have to lug a cooler i agree with justin it's crazy that no one came up with this sooner it is a pretty simple idea but it's you're, if you're going to the beach and you want to bring some beer that's the easiest thing ever Totally and, recyclable. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. and it's green. That's right. And literally, the box is green. It's Heineken. <laughs> uh, and lastly in the news, uh, this comes from our friends at Fortune Magazine, and it's titled, Forget Disney, 
head to France's wine theme park instead. <laughs> and uh, this talks about how in Paris you can go to Disneyland, but if you want to experience uh, a more adult type of uh, afternoon or evening, head down to Bordeaux and you're going to hit this French theme park, which is all about wine. It's called the City of Wine. It doesn't have any thrill rides, but it offers 20 themed areas exploring the history and culture of wine along with workshops, a simulated boat ride, and the favorite part for all the unifiles is you get to sample, uh, sample the glasses of wine, mm. and at the end you get one additional glass of wine from any 20 varieties that you can choose from. This is pretty My great. kind of theme park. Yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> Last year they had over 445,000 visitors, wow. mostly from France. Yeah. It's only two years old, so uh, they you know, start going to grow and add capacity as more people learn about it. I can see something like this uh, opening in the U.S. and uh, being wildly successful. I was going to say, because this one is in the Bordeaux region, I'm surprised Napa hasn't done something like this. Yeah, so again, it's like everything else we deal with in this industry, there's a lot of uh, uh, laws and regulations mm -hmm. that require you to do certain things. So I think this will happen in the U.S. It could happen in multiple parts of the U.S., but it has to be done in, in certain ways based on the jurisdiction you're operating in. And maybe just like Disneyland, when Disneyland first came out, it was just the uh, original part. Then they expanded with Tomorrowland and Adventureland. And maybe uh, this park, maybe we'll see some interesting development. They may, maybe there will eventually one day be rides. I could see... <laughs> You being involved in Crush, you know, yes. you, you know, you, you, yeah. you can do all that and um, doing your own blends, bottling, a lot of more hands-on type of experience uh, besides just the workshops they offer. Pretty darn cool. Sign us all up. <laughs> we'll go. We're going to make it a, uh, a business expense and uh, we'll, yes. we'll call it market yes. research. <laughs> Perfect. Market research. Coming up on Cast Club Radio, we get to chat with one of our favorite people on the planet, Jennifer Stiefel of Heritage Distilling about a great event coming up, Wine, Whiskey, and Women. But first, bitters. What exactly are they? How do you use them when you make cocktails? It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Thanks for joining us today. In a little bit, we'll talk to Jennifer Stiefel of Heritage Distilling about a great event, wine, whiskey, and women. But first, bitters. What exactly are they and how do you use them when making cocktails? A while ago, we talked to James Beard Award winner Brad Thomas Parsons, who wrote the book on bitters, literally, about what bitters are and their significance in cocktail making. So essentially, bitters are an aromatic flavoring agent you put in your drinks in drops and dashes. Um, they're not meant to be consumed on their own. They come in many different flavors, but they're generally very aromatic and have a lot of kind of Christmas spices of clove and cardamom, but there's also orange and citrus and celery, and it goes on and on of this rainbow of different flavors. And when they are introduced to a drink, they're not necessarily bitter. They're more of, like I said, a flavoring agent. So they can bring balance to a cocktail. They can um, tampen down certain ingredients or heighten other ones. There's this kind of alchemy that takes place when it, they can unite uh, disparate ingredients or, or help bring them together. And um, it also bitters uh, are part of the original definition of the word cocktail of spirit, sugar, water, and bitters. 
All right, Justin, so we have Brad Thomas Parsons explain to us a little bit about what they are and kind of the basic idea behind them, but you have some tips about how to actually use them in drinks. Sure. So it depends on the kind of cocktail that you want to have and what the base underlying spirit's going to be. So good rule of thumb is uh, bourbon pairs well with desserty type uh, bitters that have those desserty or sweeter undertones, something with warm spices or chocolate, while tequila, on the other hand, gets along with spicy and acidic type bitter flavors. So uh, think of foods that pair well with your favorite cocktail and then hunt for bitters that have similar flavorings. Uh, the other thing that you're seeing quite a bit is the application of bitters into food prep and cooking by uh, the culinary folks and, and the chefs especially. So you can shake some aromatic bitters into pie feelings to round out some of the natural sweetness of the fruits. You can put a dash of citrus or uh, like an herbaceous type bitter in whipped cream. Mm. Uh, celery shrub bitters, which include citric acid for a bit of zing. You can pair those with steamed fish or add them in a potato salad. And you can add savory bitters splashed onto ice cold oysters. And the thing about bitters is they're very concentrated. So a little bit goes a long way. And uh, as with anything else, kind of like salt prep, start with a little bit, taste it, sample it before you add more. Sounds like kind of a secret weapon to make your friends think that you're some kind of culinary mastermind. I especially like the idea <laughs> of the aromatic bitters going into your pie fillings. Yeah. Uh, because that, if you have a really amazing light buttery crust that also has this deep flavor profile, uh, people are going to ask you and you can say, well, it's my grandma's recipe and, and uh, <laughs> I can't share it with you. Yeah. Have you used uh bitters in your own cooking, Justin? I know you and Jennifer do a lot of cooking. We do a lot of experimentation with oysters. And oh. uh, we add different types of vodkas, flavored vodkas uh, and bitters directly onto the oysters just a sprinkle at a time so that when you are slurping the oyster down out of the shell, it adds other layers of complexity. The other thing we do is we get the meat injectors, the, the yeah. needles that you inject brines, <laughs> and we inject the mixtures of vodkas and bitters into savory type dishes, pork, chicken, uh, other fowl, turkey especially, let it marinate overnight, and oysters. Get a plump oyster, get the small needle, and you inject some oh. of these flavors into the middle of the oyster, not just pour it on top of the oyster in the shell. Yeah, yeah plenty. Of, can we come over to your house? I was yeah. like, to say there's a... I need to step up my game. I know. <laughs> you bring the oysters, we'll bring the bitters. Okay. Perfect. Well, another big part of this conversation too is just how creative people are getting with their bitters flavors. Yeah, so again, the world is your oyster in the <laughs> in the uh, bitter realm to use a bad pun. There are so many fruits herbs and spices that are all around us naturally, whether in the northwest or in the southwest or overseas. And the trick is to harness those pure flavors and you add them to a really good alcohol base, which is how you produce bitters. Bitters are very high alcohol, just like a vodka, mm -hmm. and really extract the natural flavor. So we're seeing right now in Ireland, uh, they're using uh, second generation seaweed harvested from local families. Wow. They're adding the seaweed bitters to Manhattans, old fashions, or Irish red ales for kind of a subtle flavor, the Irish ocean. Oh, the Irish ocean. Yeah. If you like Mexican mole, I love good mole sauce, by the way, mm -hmm. then you want to have uh, something called the bitter end. It is based on distillation of spices that use the mole poblano. 
And the flavors of cocoa, sesame, and cinnamon bring out their complexity and they add to the cocktails, especially in fall and winter drinks. I have to, then, I've got to suggest that one because we make some plenty of mole in my family, um, especially around Christmas. It's a big part of my Hispanic side of my family celebration, but I've never really thought about it when it comes to, to cocktails, and that sounds pretty delicious. Oh, uh, and just imagine uh, uh, adding it to some of the salsas. Yeah. Like this this kind of mole-based bitters into your salsas, the salsa verde or something else, just yeah. to add another depth of layer complexity. That sounds good. Uh, even queso. If you use uh, liquid queso, mm-hmm. a, a few drops of that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, molasses bitters. So the folks at Fee Brothers are blending together spicy blackstrap molasses, nutmeg, and coffee. And you, they make that molasses bitters to add to bourbon or rum cocktails. And then a gentleman named Dale DeGroff, he has a pimento aromatic bitter that is perfect uh, using pimentos and allspice berries. Ooh. And he uh, adds that bitters into tropical cocktails. Oh, wow. I was going to ask. I, I could not even think what I would use that for. But that sounds really interesting. Well, the good news is this type of uh, planning requires lots of experimentation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just keep trying and refining your recipes, your selection, and uh, the trick is to figure out how to make your cocktails in two or three simple steps. Nobody wants to be making 14-step cocktails anymore. No. So this just requires practice, and that's something we encourage in our house. That's kind of a theme of our show today, I would say, is is making things more efficient, making things simpler so that you can enjoy the fun things more in life, so you can enjoy family and friends and actually the cocktail parties that you're having. Well, as I've said all along, you don't need a PhD to make a good cocktail at home. (laughs) You just need good basic ingredients and uh, a little bit of confidence. Most people lack the confidence to make a good cocktail. Don't be afraid to fail. Put yourself out there. There's a a little Julia Child in in all of us. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Next on Cask Club Radio, we get to chat with Jennifer Stiefel of Heritage Distilling about a great event coming up, Wine, Whiskey, and Women. It's all next on Cask Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Right now we're joined by one of our favorite people on the planet, one we don't get to talk to enough, Jennifer Stiefel on the line with us to talk about a great upcoming event that you guys are part of. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Always good. Always good to talk to you. How was your Easter celebration weekend? Fantastic. We just have to find all of the Easter items we hid around the house to give to the children. So maybe we'll find it by next Easter. Yes, perfect. (laughs) It's the gift that keeps on giving, the holiday that just continues. Speaking of which, great events that are coming up. Can you tell us a little bit about the wine, whiskey and women event that you guys are part of? Absolutely. It's uh, held April 7th in Salem, Oregon, and Heritage Distilling Company will be there with our staff from our Eugene location. We'll be doing some sampling, some merchandise sales, some other bottle sales, and you can go around the event, learn more about whiskey, and of course, wine, and meet all the incredible women that are part of our industries. There's some um, Moonstruck Chocolate will be there and some bitters companies and and raft will be there with their cocktail and soda syrup so we're excited to be a part of it and get our cocktails into people's hands and and talk whiskey wine and all about women all those good things yeah from the industry perspective are we seeing more women as whiskey drinkers i think that 
women whiskey drinkers have always been there. I just I feel that um, whiskey is kind of becoming a mainstay in most cocktail menus, and um, a lot of women are kind of adventuring out on their palates, and we're kind of are exhausted with our wine palates. I feel like we all know what type of red wine we like and white wine we like, and there's mm-hmm. no surprises. It's, it's kind of consistent. So we're kind of venturing out a little bit more. I think we've always been there. Um, I just think that uh, maybe we're kind of being a little bit more adventuresome with our palates and not so afraid of ordering off a cocktail menu. It's pretty inspiring on on the business side of things to see how many women are involved, though, uh, in the industry as well. What's been one of either the greatest experiences you've had networking at these events? Well, you know, I think it's always fun to meet women distillers that are in their daily on the production floor, finding Mm -hmm. great ingredients, finding new recipes, um, and then taking that into their tasting rooms and talking with the customers and really experiencing uh, all the hard work that they put into it. Um, Also, uh, being able to go to wine dinners and have an opening cocktail at their (laughs) wine dinner and maybe an evening cocktail at, at these wine dinners and kind of really bringing out the best of all of the food and the wine and and desserts and people and um, just kind of experimenting with different uh, ingredients and cocktails. Um, I think we've got some amazing female mixologists out there and are really kind of educating the consumer. And um, it's been a lot of fun to kind of be a part of it and a part of a great team. Well, speaking of great teams, Heritage, you have a lot of very smart, passionate women on your team there. What is that environment like when you get to work with so many cool, strong women? Well, I have to say the majority of the people who work at Heritage Distilling Company are women. We've got uh, from our marketing team to our events team to tasting room, we have a few in our production and bottling bottling lines. It's great because we get to kind of learn from one another. Um, this is new for all of us. You mm-hmm. know, we opened our distillery in 2012. And as we grow and meet new people and kind of go down uh, different avenues of experiences with the customer, we've learned a lot from one another. And it's great to kind of build each other up and take this industry to the next level. So cool. Justin, do you think there's a different approach to women working in this industry than there, than there is? to men working in this industry? I think women in the spirits industry feel as though they have to work harder to break into it, especially in the whiskey side, because they have it's just been a male-dominated culture and environment for over 100 years. Um, but when they do find the right fit, the right company, the right brand, the right opportunity for growth, mm-hmm. they excel at it, and they open up the market so that others can come in and and learn more. As Jennifer said, uh, she talked a lot about the tasting room staff and our production staff, but the overwhelming majority of our executive leadership at Heritage Distilling are women. Our general counsel is a woman. Our marketing director, Hannah, she's obviously a woman. All of our logistics planning, our compliance officer, almost all the folks at the top are women, and they're driving the growth of of the company, recognizing what the industry is looking for and we're proud of that i'm I'm proud to be part of the team i'm i'm happy every day that they let me stay as part of the team (laughs) i appreciate that and uh (laughs) you know it's uh, it's more interesting to watch the consumer side yeah jennifer talked about the 
awakening of the palate among women whiskey drinkers. And uh, it's interesting, you look at the bar restaurant industry, the majority of the decisions on the consumer level are made by women. And you see this shift happening by people who own and open and operate bars and restaurants. So the restaurants and bars are rethinking their design elements internally, menu offerings, food offerings, calorie offerings, all the way to uh, how much light is coming in, seating configurations, uh, sound, all these, the the whole experience. That's because the data shows the decision on where to go eat and drink is now being made largely by uh, the woman in the couple. The bars and restaurants know to attract those customers, they need to make it appealing now to the female demographic. And if they can do that, then they're more likely to have them come back as repeat customers because the woman is making the decision on where they're going to eat and drink as a family that night. So that's how they build that customer base. Mm-hmm. Now the trick is for the bars and restaurants, once they get them in the door, is to figure out how to educate them and make offerings for them to get them into more brown spirits in the cocktails, more dark rums, more scotches, more whiskeys, and uh, away from beer and wine. Is there a way that you guys keep that in mind when you're talking about heritage products? We're talking about restaurants and bars, but when you're talking about marketing to women, are there things that you keep in mind? I think our approach to everything being all natural mm-hmm. in the products, whether it's the flavored vodkas or it's brown sugar bourbon, brown sugar bourbon for us is kind of that gateway product for people who want to try spirits for the first time yeah. and for people like women who want to try more options in brown spirits and at whiskeys, it's a good gateway product for them. And so knowing whether it's all natural on the vodka side or BSB is a product which tastes great, is a good entry. Um, those are the two focus points that we, we try to harness. Well, I also love the fact you mentioned women kind of having to break down some barriers to get into the industry at first. And Lydia and I, you know, working in sports on our on our other shows, it, we kind of have experienced that as well. So I love the fact that with as many women that work at your company, that Heritage is also a huge sponsor of all of the sports teams around and very active in sports in the community. Well, we're honored that the teams <laughs> want to work with us. And uh, I'll tell you, this last weekend of baseball yeah. was so exciting in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, We watch all that and we're like, well, this is a completely different approach than we have seen in Seattle for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And there's not a weak spot in the lineup. Yeah. Everybody can hit either for power or for consistency or both. And uh, the excitement level, you know, they had over 100,000 fans in the first three game home stretch. It's going to be a tremendous season if they can maintain what they currently did this weekend. And that means more excitement overall in the region. And for us as a, as a partner, it means more excitement we can help generate from consumers and fans. And I still get excited every time now when I'm at home. I was both at the games this weekend and then also watched, got to watch them at home. And then when I see the bottom of the fifth, uh, I always, I'm like, that's just, that's so clever. <laughs> I love that. What do you do when you reach the bottom of the fifth? You need another, right? Open another bottle of BSB. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, it'll be especially exciting when later in the season we see the, the emergence of the cocktail carts, correct? Yes. Yeah. So those will be coming out in the next uh, probably six to eight weeks. Uh, pre-batched cocktails in the lower bowl area for the first time ever at Safeco Field. And uh, that's going to be exciting and just opens up more opportunities for fans to try more local products. Uh, the, it's not just beer. Perfect. Well, Jennifer, why should people check out the Wine, Whiskey, and Women event? 
What can they expect? Well, Heritage will be there with our products and and do some sampling and and cocktails and bottle sales, but just a way to kind of connect with women in in the wine industry and the whiskey industry and uh, kind of explore and kind of build each other up and um, see what great work that we're all doing for this industry and get out and support one another. So those are all great causes, plus wine, whiskey, chocolate, all the good things. Yes. I'm in. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for taking time to chat with us because we always appreciate it. We always love hearing from you. Cheers. Cheers. Speaking of making good cocktails, distiller Dane, he's known for that. Next on Cast Club Radio, we're going to talk to him. He has a new top five for us. Plus, we have a great cocktail recipe for you to try out this weekend. It's all next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Right now, we are joined by Distiller Dane. He has a brand new top five for us. Dane, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How's everyone doing over there? Good. Staying busy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What, what do you got this week, Dane? All right. This week, I got a couple things. You know, just had Easter not too long ago. I spent a couple of days in Portland for the American Distilling Institute Conference, where the dual rye also brought home a double gold, best in class. Um, but I've got a lot under my hand, so um, I'm going to go right into number one here. Go for it. All right. Number one is adult Easter egg hunt slash party. I <laughs> just did a new one this year, one I I've never this. done before. So we basically made a bunch of jello shots and pudding shots, and they were hidden outside in one of my friend's yards as a huge yard. And every person that participates in it has a money buy-in. So you have to put some money in a pot to go in. Then everyone's released out at once, and you have to find as many jello shots or Easter eggs, I guess you could say. Um, Whoever finds the most gets all the money, but then there's a second prize. One of the pudding shots was dyed yellow, so we called it the golden egg. And whoever finds the golden egg got a basket of peeps, and they got to choose who gets to eat all the peeps in the basket. (laughs) Oh, no. I like this. This is like the winner is... Or like the winner gets to choose the loser. Yeah. Yep, exactly. I've heard of jello shots before. I've never heard of pudding shots. Oh, they are so good. <laughs> well, we need to adopt this next All right, year. Number two. Uh, number, two. number two. This one's based out of Portland, which is visiting there last week. And if you guys have never been here, it is definitely a place to check out. It is the Multnomah Whiskey Library. Have you guys been there before? No, no. Mm, very good. Oh my gosh, it's kind of a, a swanky old school style bar huge vast whiskey collection but when you walk in they take your name and they see you down on kind of like leather chairs and couches uh, they have an extensive cocktail list and they actually have little bar carts on wheels and they'll roll oh over to gosh. you and make your drink right in front of you That's awesome. that is really cool i used to travel a lot to portland for work and i felt like i was so impressed with a their bar scene is it all, it's very similar to Seattle in the way that they're sort of on the edge when it comes to cocktails? Oh, yes. They're definitely on the edge. And if I am correct, it's the city of Portland has like one bar for almost every person in the city, I think. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> Something close to that. Yeah. That, that library is the library where I would spend the most time if I was in Portland. <laughs> we call you studious for being there. That's right. That's right. All right. Number three. Uh, number three is a new brewery that opened up in Portland. Um, it's actually called Modern Times. Uh, so they actually originated in San Diego, opened up a new one about a month or two ago in L.A., and then just opened this brand new one in Portland. And it is amazing. 
So they had about 12 different IPAs on there, a couple of different stouts. The cool thing is they still collect the beer from all the locations that it's made. So they have a whole specialty section that has all the special releases from their three locations. You can get all in one spot. Wow. Um, and it has this really cool like retro experience build out. You kind of have to see it in person to see what I'm talking about. But the design and everything of it is very kind of interactive and it's a fun hangout spot. Modern times. It's Modern Times Brewery. Yeah, and they serve a little bit of food there. It's kind of more like appetizers, but it's all vegan food as well. And surprisingly, some of it was pretty good. <laughs> all, right. all right. We'll put that on our list. All right, number four. All right, number four is a movie I just recently watched. It's been out a little bit. It's already went to theaters. I think it just got out of theaters, but it's called Get Out. Have you guys seen it? Oh, my gosh. Very yeah. good. The Oscar Everyone's award kind of winner. Everyone's talking about it lately, so I had to check it out. But it's basically a horror slash kind of comedy um, from Jordan Peele, and he was on the comedy show KM Peele. Can't really say much about it without giving it away, except that it's basically a guy dating his girlfriend. He goes and meets their family and then kind of finds a disturbing secret about their family. But um, it is full of suspense, and I haven't seen, I like horror movies a lot, and I haven't seen one in a while that kind of definitely keeps you suspenseful or kind of eerie feeling on the inside as you keep seeing all these events unfolding. Pretty cool. One of the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. Uh, for Jordan Peele, who just couldn't believe it, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's also sort of just a bigger look on on race and and race relations in in the United States. So congratulations to him. But well, I, I recall the discussion at that time about that movie uh, winning the award was they were offended that people were thinking about it as a comedy. Yes. And, yeah. Uh, even now, Dane just said. It was a funny movie and uh, kind of a comedy, so that's that's how it's still being viewed by well, people. Well, I mean, I think there, he definitely knew there were some funny parts in there because that's his background. He he did do a comedy sketch show before, so I I think he was okay with there being comic relief in the movie, but he just didn't want it viewed as a comedy overall. Yeah, it was when yeah. it came, I think, to the Golden Globes where they have the category of separating drama and comedy or musical, and Get Out was placed in the comedy or musical section, and people were. Uh, confused by that one we're like nope it's it's definitely not that but cool all right oh yeah it's a horror movie but there's definitely comic relief in there yeah for sure all right now we're down to number five for dane's top five all right number five is something new that i just found that i haven't quite done yet but i am signed up for it and it's called eatwith.com um basically it's full of home cooks like restaurant chefs or local cuisine enthusiasts in different areas so when you travel you can go online and they have certain days and these people pretty much make homemade meals in your house in their house and you get to go to their house they cook for you and it can be either just with you and your friends or you can meet other random people there um but it's something i'm looking forward to a lot it's called eatwith.com and so they do like home cooked meals and they even do some cooking classes uh, some of them are like food tours, so they'll like take you out to the local market in that city, pick up food, and bring it home and cook it. Um, and you know, whenever you watch like the foodie shows and they travel around, you know, the always best things that you see made are like you know, grandma or mom or dad at home making the home cooked meals or recipes from their family. So it's just an opportunity where you get to go in to that person's home and they'll make it in front of you or show you how to make it and get to eat it with them too. Well, we will need a full review of that because that sounds pretty interesting. I guess the drink with side of that would already just be any bar that you already go to. Like, it's just like, yeah. Okay. There is always drinks provided during the meals as well. Oh, okay. Nice. Perfect. 
I don't know how I feel about that. I really don't. I mean, you know what else starts with the letter E is uh, E. coli. And uh, I, I would have to literally be watching them every step of the process before I decided to eat it. Because as Dane knows, I'm somewhat of a germaphobe. Oh, gotcha. Mm-hmm. And I think this would be good for you because you do get to watch them every step of the process or participate in it, too. <laughs> there you go. Well, there you go. Get just All right, you, you let us know. I'll sign you up as a host and we can host one at your house. <laughs> <laughs> now, Dane has some big news uh, about what's going to happen in just a couple short weeks and why we're not going to have uh, Dane's top five for a few weeks. Awesome, Dane. I am getting married and leaving the country. Oh my gosh! Wow. That is big news. Wow, that's thank ex- you. And that's that's actually how I came across this eatwith.com, and I will be trying it out on the honeymoon. Wow, where are where, you guys going? Yeah, uh, we're going through Italy. Okay, where in Italy? Mostly the northern part, down to Rome. And is eating and drinking going to be a huge part of this honeymoon? I hope so. I think it's gonna take place multiple times a day wherever I'm at. <laughs> That's how true love is built. We're going to have some epic top fives when you get back. That's right. Yep. My itinerary <laughs> is pretty much only full of cocktail bars and restaurants. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Well, congratulations. Now, when, he says he's, when he says he's leaving the country, he does intend to come back. He has assured me of that. Okay, good. Yeah, we'll see you about this that. Is, <laughs> this is a temporary sojourn. <laughs> All right, Dane, thanks for your uh, top five this week. Back to work. Now, before we wrap up, as always, we've got a great cocktail recipe for you to try. Justin? Well, picking up on uh, this week's theme of uh, discussion about bitters and realizing that the spring is almost upon us and lavender season is coming soon, we're making a lavender chocolate splash. And uh, this starts off with our lavender-flavored vodka, which is a beautiful purple, uh, tastes tremendous, and uh, some Scrappy's chocolate bitters and some vanilla soda. It's pretty easy. So the way we build this cocktail is in an empty glass. Going to add two dashes of the Scrappy's chocolate bitters. Fill that with ice. Pour in two ounces of the Heritage Distilling Lavender Vodka. Stir it. And then top it off with vanilla soda. It's that easy. It's that easy. Now, speaking of Scrappies, next week on Cast Club Radio, we'll get to talk to Scrappies bitters about making handcrafted bitters, small batches in Seattle, Washington. In the meantime, if you missed any of the Cast Club Radio past episodes, as always, you can check them out at heritagedistilling.com. You can also find them pyroradio.com. And Justin, where should they find us on social media? Well, we are at Cast Club Radio on Facebook. And uh, also, don't forget to rate us on iTunes. Perfect. Until then, everybody, have a safe and sound week. Justin, keep looking for those uh, Easter eggs in your garage. You're going to find them. (laughs) We will. We'll find them eventually. Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling, part of Cairo Weekends on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. Check us out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes. Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM.